0: Mo'Play. play
3: Your perfect home, sweet home.
4: The cheerleaders at a gym in Buffalo have been recording themselves.
5: What's up?
4: To make a new documentary.
5: We're the so-called news reporters.
4: Because one year ago, a mass shooting changed their lives. He just walked around and shot all the black people. The cheer squad, most of whom are black, had to figure out how to go on. And how to compete. I wanted the win for them more than anything this season. Listen to the Embedded podcast from NPR within the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: I'm Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. It's Las Vegas, it's the 1990s, and it
2: is time to find a husband. There were four Jewish doctors who were felt to be eligible bachelors. One of them was Bob Barrowmao. On paper, he was perfect, but in reality... This guy's a wacko. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. I
4: would call him, and I would say, I know you killed my sister.
6: You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: I'm Will Daly. For years, I've been on the road playing shows and seeing America through live music. This summer, I'll hit the stage with Season 2 of Sound of Our Town, 10 Cities... 12 episodes every other Thursday. We explore the live music venues and culture of a new American
0: city with each new episode. Our tour continues into the kind of venues you want to get to when you land in Detroit, Providence, Denver, or Seattle. Listen to Sound of Our Town on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: Hi, I'm Sriram.
8: And I'm Arthi. We have spent the last 20 years building and working at some of the largest companies in the world. We worked with some remarkable people. Rob McAllenney.
0: When I see the people of Rexham, I grew up exactly like them.
8: Check out the Arthi and Sriram show. That is AARTHI and SRIRAM show.
7: Listen to the Arthi and Sriram show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
8: And can you tell us, first of all, if you noticed anything about George
2: during that time?
6: He wasn't the same George that I knew.
2: There are Facebook messages between her and Hannah Mae Roden days before Hannah Mae was murdered, in which they talked about this issue of custody and how the Wagners wanted Hannah Mae to sign over
9: custody of her daughter. He was a lifelong friend of Billy Wagner. He cooperated with uh, BCI, and he actually warned Chris Sr. that if you have trouble with them, they will harm you or kill you.
5: If George would have just let me go outside to cool off a bit, then we would probably still be married. All I wanted was five minutes to cry outside alone.
4: This is The Piketon Massacre, Return to Pike County. Season four, episode 11, The Many Faces of George. I'm Courtney Armstrong, a television producer at KT Studios, along with Stephanie LieDecker and Jeff Shane. It's important to note that George Wagner IV, along with his father, Billy Wagner, whose trial is upcoming, deny any wrongdoing and have pleaded not guilty to all charges. We're picking up where we left off last episode, with Prosecutor Angie Canepa examining Tabitha Clayton, George Wagner IV's ex-wife, on the stand.
8: Can you tell us what time of the day this argument first started? And I don't mean an exact time, but was it the afternoon? Was it the evening?
5: It was near evening. it started to get dark. Okay.
8: And did you have any more contact with them while you were still there um, hiding under George's truck? No. Did you see any of them?
5: There were to- flashlights. Okay.
8: You said there were flashlights, plural? More yes. than one flashlight?
5: Yes. Okay.
8: And at this point, where were you?
5: I was still underneath the George's truck, okay. under the cab, basically. I okay. behind the front tires
8: Did they find you no did they eventually give up looking for you Yes and what did you do at, at that point?
5: I got out from underneath of the truck and went to the barn and got my bicycle
8: and you got on your, you got your bicycle you said and what did you do?
5: I left. I uh, went to the gas station up the road uh, by McDonald's.
8: And can you tell us, at that point was it dark? Yes. Okay. Approximately how far is that to the gas station?
5: Uh, Driving, it's about five or ten minutes. Okay.
8: And can you tell us why were you hiding from them?
5: I didn't want to get shot.
8: And did you make it to the gas station? Yes. Did you encounter anybody along the way? Yes. Tell us who.
5: George and Jake in their red suburban.
8: And what did they say to you?
5: They were trying to get me to get in the car so we could go home.
8: Did you agree to get into the car? No. What, if anything, did you say to them?
5: I told them that I wasn't going to live with them if they are going to hit me.
8: And... What happened then? Or did you tell them where you were going?
5: I told him that I was going to go to the gas station so I could call my mom so she can come and get me.
8: And is that what you did?
4: Yes. Here's legal analyst Mike Allen, followed by Stephanie and Jeff.
9: This is key testimony for the prosecution because, unlike so many of the other witnesses this really kind of centers on George and she's the prosecutors painting the picture of what kind of a person George was and you know according to her he wasn't a very good person
10: we've never been able to connect with Tabitha personally we've spoken to her mother we've spoken to her sister and hearing her account Firsthand of something that we'd we'd heard versions of this story of that night when she had to run out of the house, but really hearing it out of her own mouth was something really powerful. She's living in an event that is nothing more and nothing less than traumatic. Picturing her even just biking away in the night trying to escape, and then the boys pulling up in that car telling her to get in—you know how trapped she must have felt.
7: After the incident that Tabitha described on the stand, the Wagners ended up filing a domestic violence claim against her, claiming that she dragged her baby across the floor. Now, they later dropped these charges.
10: Tabitha and George were married. Therefore, George had automatic rights in the state of Ohio because they were married. So she literally had to write her rights away and did whether she knew what she was signing or not.
7: It was around this same time that Tabitha was becoming close with victim Hannah Mae Roden, who, as we know, was having similar custody issues with her ex-boyfriend, Jake Wagner.
4: Tabitha ran through some of the Facebook messages she and Hannah had shared at the time. She begins by recounting an exchange about being able to share her son with George Wagner.
5: Hannah Roden asked me if I've gotten to see lately. I said, no, not yet. Every time I set a date to see him, George has something to do or somewhere to go. He tells me he will message me back when he gets home, but then he never messages me back. Hannah says, oh, I would be really upset. I would say I'm scared to death that they are going to try and take I said, oh, I am, and it kills me. Well, you know, since y'all was not married, she goes to you automatically. And he is the one that gets to see her every other weekend or whatever. Hannah says, Yeah, I know, but they could fight that. I said, Yeah, but a judge ain't gonna take her away from you. You have a good home and people to help take care of her. She says, I know. I'm trying to get me a place as soon as possible and a job. I said, I mean, if George would have just let me go outside to cool off a bit, then we would probably still be married. All I wanted was five minutes to cry outside alone.
4: Then there was an incident in 2016 right before the murders. During a visit with her son at the Wagners, Tabitha's newborn daughter was seemingly poisoned.
8: Was there another time that something happened after you had visited your son at the Wagner residence? yes and can you tell us do you recall when that would have been
5: was around mother's day or easter
8: and what year would that have been do you recall
5: 2016.
8: and can you tell us what happened
5: My six-month-old daughter became unresponsive, so we took her to the emergency room where they did tests and found drugs in her system.
8: Tell me, um, first of all, this was a child of yours? Yes. She was six months old at the time? Yes. And had she been with you at the Wagner residence that day? Yes. And tell us. Um, what kinds of interactions she had with the other people in the home?
5: She had stayed on my hip for a while until Angela had asked to see her. And so I gave her to her so she could see her while I went and used the restroom.
8: Other than that time period where you were in the restroom, was your daughter out of your view while you were at the Wagoners? No. And... Did you make it back home before you noticed that about your daughter as far as her physical condition?
5: Yeah, I had made it home.
8: Okay. And when you say she was unresponsive, what do you mean by that?
5: Uh, She was just laying there staring off into space. I went to pick her up and she was as limber as a newborn.
8: And what did you do as a result of that?
5: I had... Woke my husband, and we took it to the emergency room.
8: Okay. And do you recall where you went?
5: The SOMC.
8: And you indicated that they did some tests, and do you know what uh, drug they found in her system? Xanax. Were you prescribed Xanax at no.
5: all? Your husband? No.
8: Did you have any Xanax in your home at all? No. And have you been anywhere else that day? No. And... As a result of that, was there a Children's Service investigation? Yes. Okay. And did both you and your husband submit to drug tests?
5: We did, but they did not do them at the hospital. Okay.
8: Did you volunteer to do them at the hospital? Yes. But you did take tests later?
5: About a week later. Okay.
8: And were those negative?
4: Yes. It was all very shocking testimony for the prosecution, showing that George might have had violent tendencies and was also tightly bound to his family. But the defense mounted a strong cross-examination. They began with Tabitha's affair with her friend Whitney's father, Jay, and the trust issues it created in her marriage.
11: And who's Whitney's father? Do you know? Yes. And who is her father? Cecil Smith. Cecil Smith. And... How do you know, how well do you know Cecil Smith? Very well. Okay. And Cecil also goes by the name Jay. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And at some point, uh, you had some revelation to tell George about Jay, right? Yes. And what was that? What was the reason? Well, yeah, what was the revelation? What did you have to tell him?
5: I had told him that I had cheated on him.
11: Okay, with? With Jay. Right. And in fact, this was more than just one occasion, right? Yes. And how old is Jay?
5: About 25, 30 years older
11: than me. You were about 17 maybe at the time?
5: No, I didn't get back with George until I was about 18, 19.
4: Defense attorney Richard Nash also points out that Tabitha and her siblings had been sexually abused by her mother's husband, Dave. The defense cited this as a quite reasonable reason why the Wagners did not want Tabitha bringing their grandchild around to family.
11: The perpetrator, the person who victimized you, that's Dave, right? Yes. And Dave is your mother's husband.
5: Was. He's dead now.
11: He's dead. And when did he die?
5: About five years ago, I think.
11: Okay. And your mother was aware of the things that Dave did to you, right? Yes. And not only did he do these awful things to you, but he did them to your sisters. Yes. Now, when you left the Wagner home, and we'll get to this more in depth, but that's where you went, was the home with Dave, right? Yes. And George did not want his little boy living in the same home as Dave. Is that what he told you? Yes. Okay. That seems like a pretty rational thing to not want your child around the child molester, right? Yes. You don't fault George for not wanting his son to be there, right? Mm No. no. That was a no?
5: Yes, that was a no, I don't blame him.
11: And your mother was an enabler to these things that had happened to you and your sisters. Yes.
4: The defense also grilled Tabitha on her mental health and whether she was doing enough to tend to it.
11: Now that I have refreshed your recollection, do you recall telling David Jenkins you had a perfect life with your husband? Yes. And who you're referring to as George, right? Yes. Okay. Now, Back to George and living with him, he had uh, various jobs, right? Yes. For a while he worked at Bennett's in Menford. Yes. Okay. And then for some time he was hauling cattle, right? Yes. And when he would haul cattle, he would be gone for like a week on or a week off. Yes. Right? Okay. Now, back to that situation where you had cut your arms, did you ever seek any help for that?
5: Uh, The only reason i done it was because George and Angela wouldn't shut up and leave me alone about getting back on Zoloft, even though I told them the last time I was on Zoloft, it didn't end well.
11: Zoloft, okay. So you have been prescribed Zoloft is what you're telling us? Yes. And for what reason are you prescribed Zoloft?
5: For (laughs) depression, bipolar…
11: Okay. And you have said, and you would agree with me, that you've said that you don't like taking medication, right?
5: Not that one, no.
11: Okay. Any other medication you didn't like
5: taking? Uh, no.
4: Then there were the continued claims of different ways that George had been abusive. But the defense took this moment to dissect and try and undercut Tabitha's testimony.
11: I'm going to ask you about that incident when you uh, had left the Wagner home. If I'm not mistaken, well, first off, you have discussed that incident with the BCI agents, right?
5: About me leaving or about me cutting my arm? Uh,
11: About the incident when you left. You've yeah. been questioned about that, and you and you told them what happened, right? Yes. Would you agree with me, though, that when you talked to the BCI agents, you told them that you and George were horseplaying, playing around
5: with the belt? Yes.
11: Okay, uh, and, and I, it's my fault. I don't hear that well.
5: You said what now? With the belt? Yes.
11: With the belt, but okay. Now, you would agree with me that you never told any BCI agent that there was playing with a belt, right? What? You never mentioned a belt to a BCI agent, right?
5: Um, it's part of that night, I'm pretty sure did.
11: Okay, all right. Uh, but you've always said that it was just the two of you horse playing or playing around right? Yes, at first it was. Okay, so maybe I misunderstood your testimony on direct examination, but it sounded to me as if you were saying that he was like assaulting you with a belt. That's not true, right?
5: That's not what I said.
11: Okay, and and I may be wrong, but I'm just making sure that I understood you correctly. You weren't testifying that he was assaulting you with a belt, right?
5: No, I did not say he was assaulting me with a belt. Okay, and it was
11: just you guys were playing around right?
5: In the beginning, yes.
11: Okay. And then Angela, uh, I guess, wanted you guys to stop.
5: Yes, because I yelled at her precious baby.
11: Okay. Um, All right. And you wanted to leave the house, right? Yes. And when you went to leave, George had put his arm on the door so you couldn't leave, right? Yes. Okay. Now, this was in November, you would agree with me, right? Yes. Okay, and when you left on your bicycle, it was dark, right? Yes. Okay, and so, how much time went by from when you're trying to leave and when you actually fled on your bicycle?
5: It was dark. I don't know. Okay. Maybe an
11: hour. Now, I'm not clear about this uh, this agreement. You went into you had to go into a courtroom in front of a judge before you could. divorce or dissolve your marriage, right? Yes. And when you stood in front of that judge, the judge told you that you were agreeing to George being the sole custodian, right? Yes. And the judge also made sure you understood that all visits would be supervised, right? Yes. And you were asked if you understood that. And you said yes. Yes. Okay. And there was nothing in there about changing these things at a later time,
5: right? No.
11: Okay. And so, it's fair to say those were your wishes,
5: right? Exactly what the
11: judge had made sure you understood.
5: No, those are not my wishes. George told me that it was only temporary, that's what was supposed to have been done, and whenever I got my own place and my own job, then I could have him back and would do the 50-50 thing. I think that… If we moved out, then we would probably still be together because I still love him. I really do. I always have and always will. But I couldn't take having to ask to do something with
4: my own son. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. As the defense's cross-examination continued to paint Tabitha in a more uncertain light, it was hard to know exactly what to make of her accusations. Here's law and crime reporter Anjanette Levy.
2: She has been through a lot, and also, you know, the fact that there are Facebook messages between her and Hannah Mae Roden days before Hannah Mae was murdered, in which they talked about this issue of custody and how The Wagners wanted Hannah Mae to sign over custody of her daughter that she had with Jake. And it was kind of sad to hear Tabitha say that literally she still loves George. I mean, this was back in 2016, of course, but it sounded like she still loved him. And if they had ever been able to move out on their own... They probably would have still been together, she said. She had told George she wanted them to move out and to get their own place. She thought it would help their relationship. And she said that George said, we're a farm family, we have to live together.
4: Here again, Jeff and Stephanie.
7: During cross-exam, it really painted a picture of Tabitha versus the Wagners, which as we know at the time, Tabitha was a young woman in her late teens, early 20s. And the Wagners were kind of a forced to be reckoned with. It seems like she kind of just wanted all of the turmoil to end and just be a mom to her son. And somehow signing this paperwork and doing what the Wagners wanted seemed like the path of least resistance to her. I think this testimony seems relevant to the charges that George Wagner IV is facing because not only does it paint a picture of George as someone who is abusive and cruel, but also the fact that he really moved in a unit with his family which then, as we know, is what the prosecution is saying happened with the planning and execution of these murders.
10: And it also speaks to a bit of a pattern, a pattern in custody, correct? Does that mean it's a pattern in murder?
4: I'm assuming those links are still to come. Aside from Tabitha, the jury also heard from two other key witnesses, both of whom opted out of being recorded on the stand. The first was Frankie Roden's ex-girlfriend, who he shared a child with. Here's Anjanette with insight into that testimony.
2: I think the jury seemed really interested in testimony since she had a relationship with Frankie Roden. Uh, She is the mother of his oldest son. And, you know, she had some things that were interesting that she was able to tell the jury. You know, she talked about getting a phone call from Hannah Mae in 2014. Uh, Which sounded terrifying that she said that uh, Angela Wagner ran out of the house and chased Tabitha out of the house with a shotgun and that Jake and George and Hannah all followed and that Jake told her not to leave the house. If she did, he would chop off her legs. I mean, that's terrifying.
4: After a meeting in his chambers, Judge Dearing emerged to tell the jury that the phone call between Hannah and Frankie Roden's ex-girlfriend was probative evidence only. This is to say it's meant to prove a relevant fact in the case, but cannot be used to cast a shadow over the Wagner's character. The second witness is Jeff Tackett, a one-time friend of Billy Wagner's. The pair became friends when they were just 13 years old. Jeff worked at the Wagner family's Flying W Farms, and once went hunting with the entire Wagner family. According to Tackett, George Wagner flew into a rage when his father killed a deer before he did. George went home early. Tackett testified that George was moody and erratic due to the pain pills he took. These were pills that Angela allegedly plied him with. Tackett was also with Billy in the days leading up to the murders. After the massacre, Tackett believed Billy had something to do with it and started working with the BCI. He agreed to wear a wire and inform on the Wagners. Mike
9: Allen. He was a lifelong friend of Billy Wagner. Uh, He cooperated with the BCI and he actually wore a wire. He saw Billy Wagner uh, days before the murder uh, in a room filled with weapons. And that is, I think, very relevant. Again, a peripheral relevance maybe to to George's guilt or innocence, but in telling the tale and telling the the story of the Wagner family, it's important. He worked sometimes at the Flying W farm, which was the family farm, because he was uh, helping to break some horses. He knew Chris Sr., Frankie, Hannah Mae, and Chris Jr. and. Said that uh, he warned Chris Sr. that if you have trouble with them, they will harm you or kill you.
4: Here again, Aunt Jeanette.
2: Jeff Tackett described the Wagners as being very close, like a cult he's been around the Wagners a lot. He's been around Frederica Wagner a lot. He talked about Frederica Wagner even gave him a Percocet for pain one time because he was having an issue. And he said it made him feel dizzy. And he told her never to give him something like that again. So he didn't want anything to do with that. But he did provide a lot of interesting information about the Wagners and the fact that he believed that Billy Wagner was involved in these homicides after seeing all of those items in his bedroom.
4: Let's stop here for another break. Here's Angie Canepa examining the next witness, Samantha Staley. Samantha is a longtime friend of both Jake and George Wagner's. She has appeared on the podcast before and has a history with Jake Wagner.
8: Was there a time when you were intimate with Jake Wagner? Yes. Okay. And can you tell us who's, who initiated that? He did. Okay. And if you can just tell us what his purpose was.
6: So one summer I got a phone call. He did not know how to have intercourse, I guess. He asked me if I could help him out. Me being young and dumb, I guess. I said, sure, why not? And it was a one-time thing. So we just did what we did.
8: Okay, and do you recall approximately when that would have been?
6: Um, I know it was summer. I'm guessing around 2012.
4: But that one-night stand aside, Samantha felt more drawn to George. In comparison to Jake, George seemed to have more of his own personality. She found him to be effusive and always cracking jokes, whereas Jake was always plotting and devious. At one point during his battle with Hannah Mae Roden, Jake asked Samantha to dig up dirt on Hannah to help his case for sole custody. Samantha refused. George, Samantha says, was much kinder, nicer and, in her words, more bubbly.
6: So, in my opinion, my eyes, outlook, George would always go out and do his own thing. Jake would always have to get Angela's opinion before he would go do anything. Angela didn't approve. Jake never did. George, on the other hand, would just do his own thing.
11: All right. And, as I understand it, when you were very young, you felt like your mother and Angela were kind of pushing you over towards uh, being with Jake.
2: Yes. And that
11: you really didn't care for too much, is that right? No. And actually, as the years wore on, you were more attracted
6: to George, is that fair to say? He actually made me feel like I was wanted, honestly.
2: He was nice to you, right? Yes. And that continued into adulthood, right?
11: Yes. And in fact, I think you just told us a story that when you were kind of on a rough spot uh, around Christmas time, I think you described it, he came over and
6: brought toys for your child? Yes. And and gave you cash money to help you pay with the bills?
2: Yes. How would you describe him when he was very young? He's bubbly.
4: Here again, Anjanette.
2: Samantha Staley said some things that were actually helpful to George Wagner. She painted George Wagner out to be somebody who was very nice to her. She she said that, you know, there was a Christmas where she didn't have money to buy Christmas gifts for her children. And so George Wagner met her somewhere and gave her the presents and gave her money to pay her electric bills. She said things, nice things about the Wagners. Her father had had a medical issue, and she said Frederica, you know, paid to keep utilities
4: on. But after the Roden murders, Samantha said George's demeanor markedly changed. Frankie Roden was her first love, so she was already shaken by the news of his death. But George was less than consoling.
8: Can you tell us after the homicides occurred? Did you ever have contact with Jake or George or Angela or Billy?
6: Um, after the homicide murders, um, I got my car in May of 2016. I had went fishing with George. A couple days later, after getting my car, maybe a week
8: after that, I'm unsure if it was a couple days or a week. Okay. So approximately a month after the murders had happened, yes, you went fishing.
6: Yes. And who went fishing with you? Um, Myself, my husband, and George.
8: And can you tell us, first of all, if you noticed anything about George during that time?
6: He wasn't the same George that I knew. He looked very sad, very hurt, very lost, very dead inside. He didn't have the crooked smile that he always had.
8: So you knew him to be more jovial or happy or... Bubbly. Bubbly. Yes. Okay. And how did that strike you?
6: Uh, That night when we were fishing, um, we were going to stay there all night. Um, It actually started a lightning and he said, I don't fish in a lightning. So we honestly started to pack up. I had said something, Frankie had popped in my mind. I don't remember exactly what I had said. And I just started rambling on, started questioning, you know, can you believe this has happened? They're gone. They're never coming back. I was pretty much told to shut the F up.
4: More on that next time. For more information on the case and relevant photos, follow us on Instagram at kt underscore studios. The Piketon Massacre is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Jeff Shane, Alan Weeder, Andrew Arnau, Gabriel Castillo, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Music by Jared Aston. The Piketon Massacre is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm
6: Carol Fisher, and I'm hosting a podcast called The Girlfriends. It's Las Vegas, it's the 1990s, and it is time to find
2: a husband. There were four Jewish doctors who were felt to be eligible bachelors. One of them was Bob Barrenbough. On paper, he was perfect, but in reality... This guy's a wacko. He choked her to the point she went unconscious. I
4: would call him, and I would say... I know you killed my sister.
6: You can listen to The Girlfriends on the iHeartRadio app,
2: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a story of a man who's fascinated me. His name was Sweet Daddy Grace, and
8: that's a name you don't forget. He was a visionary who built a fortune as a black man during Jim Crow, during the Depression. But today, not many people know about him
4: race sort of wiped out and i wonder if this was done intentionally
8: listen to sweet daddy grace on the iheartradio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
7: hi i'm sriram
8: and i'm Arthi. we have spent the last 20 years building and working at some of the largest companies in the world we worked with some remarkable people rob mccalini
4: when i
0: see the people of Rexon i grew up exactly like them
8: check out the Arthi and sriram show that is A-A-R-T-H-I And S-R-I-R-A-M Show
7: Listen to the Arthi and Sriam show On the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts Or wherever you get Your podcasts
6: From iHeart Podcasts And Nomadic Engine The acclaimed Dramatic thriller returns
8: Aftershock Season 2
10: He's like a ghost We had an agreement To keep each other's
1: Secrets None of you are making decisions to keep the rest of us safe, which leaves me.
4: I'm asking for your forgiveness. Aftershock Season
6: 2, starring Sarah Wayne Callies, David Harbour, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Listen to Aftershock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Zumo Play.
4: information.